Bill and Mary Willoughby never saw the seven wonders of the world. I don't think they ever saw the seven wonders of North America. Truth be told, they probably never saw the seven wonders of the bluegrass state because they almost never left the friendly confines of Montgomery County, Kentucky. Bill was a tobacco farmer. Mary raised an only child, Elizabeth Ann. She kept a flower garden, worked at the Ladies' Auxiliary at the Methodist Church. Besides that, they didn't do much. They sat on the porch, Mary would crochet, Bill and Mary would talk. They would watch the occasional car go down Grassy Pruitt Road, but other than that, uh, their evenings were spent pretty quiet. When the summer months came and days went a little bit longer, Bill and Mary would come uh, down to the rectory where I was leading a Bible study on Wednesday nights, and they would spend some time with us. They were hardworking folk, Bill and Mary Willoughby, gentle to the core and unpretentiously godly. They were among my favorite parishioners at our first parish, the Grassy Lake Methodist Church, down in the hills of eastern Kentucky. I remember one time that Bill's doctor had um, told him he wanted him to go see a specialist at the University of Kentucky in Lexington. And this was a very big deal because they had to travel out of the county. And so for a week, there was hand-wringing and nervousness about this, this journey. Didn't care what the doctor said. The biggest concern was the drive from, from Mount Sterling to Lexington. But their daughter Elizabeth Ann came, drove them over there. It went to, everything went well. And, and they made it back. But I, I think there was even a month of recovery afterward. Again, not from the doctor visit, but just from the drive. Bill kind of believed that everything that you needed in life could be found in Montgomery County. If you needed food, you'd go to the Winn-Dixie or the Food Lion. If you needed something else, it was probably at the tractor supply store. If you needed a, a prescription filled, there was Carrington Drug downtown. You could go there and get it. If you, uh, you needed an anniversary present, Ruth Hunt Candies was right there in the city. I mean, it was all compact right there in, in, in the downtown uh, Mount Sterling. All the news you needed was found on WMST, 11.50 a.m., from 5 to 6 in the morning. Everything except for the farm report. You'd have to catch that in the afternoon. But all the news you needed, all the supplies you needed, all the whole world had to offer was right there in Montgomery County. That doesn't work for most of us, does it? That's not the world that most of us live in. It's certainly not the world that I live in. I have to admit a, a, a good deal of wanderlust in my, in my life. But I, it's not my fault. I know that some of you have it as well. We want to see everything in the world has to offer, and we're victims. It's our parents' fault, right? I, I, I had nothing to do with it, but my mother, even from a young child, would tell me about all the things that she had seen or that she wanted to see. And she would paint those pictures for me in my mind, and I just had to get out to see them. And I've seen a few of the sites. They were on my list, although not all of them, certainly not many of them. And many of you have seen more sites than I, so I know what it's like to, to want to see what's out there in the world. Just a couple weeks ago, I was hiking across Athens County through the woods, and, you know, it was nothing but just this uh, dense forest, and, and I kind of cut out in one part, and we, we were walking up this, uh, this old logging road that was closed off, and nobody used it any longer, but it was still a gravel road, and so my buddy Mark and I are hiking down this, this logging road, and it occurred to me that I was seeing a part of the state of Ohio that not many people see. In fact, most of the people I know will never see this little 
you know, few miles that I trekked through Athens County. It gave me a little bit of, of joy there for a minute. That, and then I realized how much that's what life is like, isn't it? We want to see the sights. Bill and Mary, I, I think about them, and sometimes I would have great pity for them. They never saw much outside of Montgomery County. They're in heaven now. And so I imagine whatever section of heaven they live in, the streets are gold and the grass is blue. And uh, they don't seem uh, other than the glory of God, which is probably enough. The Old Testament lesson today is the first chapter of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. I know it was a lengthy lesson. Well done also by Helen. Thank you very much in reading that. This first lesson of the Bible, this first chapter, it's really a, a poem. It, it probably doesn't come through because we expect poetry to rhyme and have a, spe- a special meter, but, but that's not the way it, it works. The first chapter of Genesis was probably a hymn sung by people, sung about the glory of God. And did you notice how it worked? It was about an environment that was created for an inhabitant. So day one, uh, light is created, but it's not until day four that you get sun, moon, and stars. In day two, the heavens and the sea. And then in day five, you get fish and birds. Day three, earth and vegetation. And then day six, you have animals and last of all, humans. The story ends, of course, with this master crescendo that, uh, that God stops the end of the crescendo and rests. I think it's unfortunate that a lot of people look at this story through the wrong lenses. They look at it through the lenses of biology or history. And and they undo the beautiful poetry that is there. They undo the theology that's present. They undo the philosophy that's there. And instead try to look at it in a a sort of flat and linear way. What does the first chapter of Genesis say to us though? It says this. That God has created everything that there is. He has touched it. And He has blessed it. And it is good. So many people think of religion as as a list of ethical prohibitions or or moral kind of guidelines. Sure, that's there, but that's not what it's about. Genesis chapter 1 starts off by saying God created everything and He said it was good. Seven times He says it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. I mean, we catch this after a while, right? It's good. It's good. It's good. Until you get to the last one, the seventh time. It is myoto. Very good. God looks at creation and says, this is good. It's it's morally good. It's positive. There's so much about it. You remember the hymn, This is my father's world, and to my listening ears all nature sings and rounds me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hands, the wanderers rock. I think this says to us, Genesis 1 says to us, that every meal ought to be embraced with joy. Every time the sunshine peers through the windows, and you first say, oh, it's really morning. But then the second thought you should say is, thank God it's morning. And when you smell that coffee, especially if somebody else made it, and it comes up through the, through the room, it, it, ought to, it ought to just delight the senses. and ought to embrace the whole of creation that God has placed us in an environment made for us. Imagine, imagine if you had, had great carpentry skills. I don't know if any of you have great carpentry skills. But Dale has great carpentry skills. He builds wonderful things. But imagine if you had that. 
And you could build something and, and say there was this little girl, I don't know, maybe she's your daughter or niece or granddaughter, and, and you build her a playhouse. I mean, you take months building this. You know, you, you, you sand and, and you saw, probably not in that order, and, and you paint and, and you do all the things that you, you get it just right. You pick out the color. You spend time thinking about what color it ought to be. And for a girl, it's probably going to be pink, right? And, and you trim it in white. And you, and you, and you work on maybe the, 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 uh, the dental molding on it. And all the sort of things that a craftsman would do. Having built this playhouse, and you give it to this special little girl, how do you get delight? You only get delight when she goes in it and plays. When she embraces it and says, thank you. And just delights in this little playhouse. This creation is God's gift to us. He places us in it and says, enjoy. And, the God, and that God gets pleasure from us enjoying this creation. I think this passage, this chapter in Genesis also says to us this. That God is both transcendent and eminent. Those are big seminary words, aren't they? God is distant from us. And yet close to us. God is not like us. God doesn't think like we think. God doesn't act like we do. God is different and yet He draws close to us. Uh, I, I said to you recently that Stephen Hawking, this uh, renowned scientist in, in Britain, um, mentioned in a book that uh, the Big Bang did not require an act of God. And he thought he was rather clever in saying that. Perhaps he was. Um, and so a BBC reporter quickly got to Archbishop Williams, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and said, what do you think about what Stephen Hawking said? You know, And Archbishop Williams said, he's a very intelligent man, and, and he knows better than I about the things of science. He says, but Stephen Hawking has not answered this question. Why is there something instead of nothing? <laughs> and he left it at that. Why is there something instead of nothing? There is something instead of nothing because God spoke the world into existence. God is not like us. My ways are not your ways, he says to the prophet Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God is bigger than we can get our minds around. He is more glorious, more powerful, more amazing. Every time we try to build a box to fit God in, He seems to break out of that box and do something different. Genesis 1 reminds us that while God is close, God is not like us. God can do what none other can do. It also reminds us that we humans are the apex of God's creation. If everything is environment and then inhabitant, light, sun, moon, and stars, sky, birds to fly in it, sea, fish to swim in it, all of it then is all an environment for us, the humans. But like that little playhouse that you made. Imagine if you made this playhouse... And, and the little girl, it probably wouldn't be a little girl in your family, but imagine, just for the sake of argument, that, that she took it and said, let me douse it with fire, with gasoline, and, and set it on fire. It would be an irresponsible use of that gift, wouldn't it? God has given us a gift, made us the, 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 the ones to oversee it, placed us in the middle of it, and said, enjoy. But enjoy with responsibility. Today is our feast day. I don't know if you knew that. Many of you thought it was Father's Day. Good. It is. But today is our feast day at Holy Trinity Church. We don't have a patron saint. This isn't St. Thomas Church or St. Matthew Church or St. Peter Church or any of that. Those are good. Glad we have them out there. This church is Holy Trinity Church. 
Our church is named after the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so maybe Trinity Sunday, I should try to explain the Trinity to you. But I would first need somebody to explain it to me. It is, I believe in the Trinity. I embrace the Trinitarian ideal. I embrace Trinitarian thought, but I can't get my mind around it. And I think that's good. A God that I can understand is not a God worth serving. God is bigger, greater, more immense than we could ever imagine. St. Thomas Aquinas was perhaps the greatest thinker uh, ever who, who took up a pen and started to write. And he wrote this uh, book called Summa Theologica. It's amazing to this day is still a standard for theology. Aquinas, though, late in his life had this experience, this mystical kind of caught up into heaven. You know the first thing he said after that was? Everything I've written is rubbish. None of it is worthwhile. Don't waste your time. My God is too small. I started off telling you about the Willoughby's, Bill and Mary, how they never traveled far from home. They never saw the pyramids in Egypt, the Taj Mahal, the Eiffel Tower. They wouldn't have seen them if they were in Cairo, Kentucky, or Athens, Kentucky, or Paris, Kentucky. They never traveled far from home, but they knew something about the beauty of the hills of eastern Kentucky. And they knew something about the God who created them. And they were known by the God who created them. And I think that's enough. Don't you? Amen.